everyone, and welcome to another Bible study here at One Love Live, and I am your host, Leela Winston. I pray that you are well and God is blessing in your life. I pray that you are growing in the faith um, and you are learning more about yourself and your purpose. And as you know, we come together to read in the Word of God and study it so that we can practically apply it to our everyday life and also so that we can discover the purpose of our lives and enact that in the earth according to God's will. So um, I want to thank you guys so much for tuning in. Um, We're actually going to do a study today that's going to help us to understand a bit more about who we are. And I think that the Bible wonderfully leaves all of these masterful clues about our lives, about, you know, um, what we're doing and why we're on the earth. He leaves these there so that we can understand what's happening, so that we're not just totally in the dark. Because um, we've gotten so far away from, you know, the faith and so far away from God. It's just the state of humanity. So sometimes it can be hard to understand these concepts because we've just stepped so far away. And so I want us to look at a very interesting um, passage we all know very well. It's Hebrews chapter 5, verses 5 and 6. And um, before we read that passage of our anchor text, I want to encourage you, if you have a chance, to... Um, read uh, or listen to a Bible study here at Anchor FM called The Purpose of Purpose. And it really explains to you about the new priesthood in which we live in today as believers. So let me go ahead and read our anchor text. It's Hebrews chapter 5, verses 5 and 6. And it says, Also Christ glorified not himself to be made an high priest, But he that said unto him, Thou art my son, today have I begotten thee. As he said, also in another place, Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. And so this is really important to understand how that Jesus Christ is the beginning of a new priesthood. And we see uh, the end of an old priesthood, which was the Levitical priesthood, when Jesus Christ and John the Baptist meet in the Jordan. And so what I want to do is point out some more points on which we have this great background that we have very little uh, knowledge about, but the Bible is giving us understanding. And the more that we understand it, the more that we can realize what we are supposed to do on earth and what we can do. And so in this verse, I want to point out that in uh, Hebrews chapter 5, verse 5, it actually says, Thou art my son, today have I begotten thee. And if you can remember where that is actually um, first seen, it is when uh, Jesus Christ meets with, or Jesus meets with John the Baptist to be baptized, right? He says, today have I begotten you. And that's kind of a curious statement to make if you can, if you realize like, oh wait, how can today be the day that God has begotten Jesus Christ when Jesus Christ is the word as we learn in John 1 and 1 and he was begotten at the beginning of the world. How does, how does that work, you know? And so we're going to look at that because he's actually telling us something about ourselves in that statement as well. And I want to show you that. We're going to go briefly to Mark chapter 1 verse 11 where we actually find this reference that is being made in Hebrews. And it says, And there came a voice from heaven saying, Thou art my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. 
so this is another statement where you know god is literally telling the world this is my son and this was just this was after he had been baptized uh, by john the baptist and so we're beginning to understand better um something that kind of left Nicodemus puzzled and you know I think the story of Nicodemus is really quite fascinating uh, particularly because I think and this is just my opinion I could be wrong but I think most people don't understand what Jesus was saying to Nicodemus and so I think there's a little bit of hypocrisy on our side when we want to chide Nicodemus for not understanding what Jesus said because Nicodemus was purely puzzled in John chapter 3 verse 4 and so I want to ask you, because I can be wrong, you know, I, I'm just guessing that a lot of people don't really understand it, but I want to ask you, incidentally, do you understand what Jesus meant in that discussion that he had with Nicodemus in John chapter 3? I think it's worth looking at because Jesus is saying something about the essence of man and why he's there. And he's also saying something about Nicodemus that Nicodemus just didn't get. And so we're going to look at that right now in John chapter 3. And we're going to start from verse 1. It says, There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that you do except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus said unto him, How can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto you, you must be born again. That is John chapter 3 verse 1 and 7. And I just want to ask you, do you actually understand this saying? Um, born of the water and spirit, you know, and now that we uh, have gone over this understanding of the witness of water and blood and the spirit from 1st John chapter 5 and 8 I think it helps us a little bit more and this is something that I think Nicodemus um, probably was supposed to know and I think this is one of the reasons why Jesus was like how come you don't understand this and I think it's also why Jesus asked him you know uh, don't you get the concept because Nicodemus was a ruler of the Jews, and so there's this, I guess there's this concept that he would understand the law a little bit better, because remember, to rule uh, in the Hebrew faith didn't just mean that you told people what to do, you got appointed, it was that you were a moral leader, like we learned of, you know, the judges and then so forth, so this man had to be something of a moral leader. And so we see Jesus Christ, um, you know, kind of asking him this question that I think sometimes gets lost, okay? And we, we forget the fact that um, Jesus Christ is literally saying that you have to be born of water and the Spirit, okay? And so I think we see this when we see John the Baptist baptizing Jesus. We're literally seeing him in the Jordan um, doing exactly what he's talking to Nicodemus about. 
right? So he's at the Jordan, and then immediately after his water baptism, he is baptized by the Holy Spirit, which descends and remains upon him in Luke chapter 3, verse 22. And let's look at this because it's really very clear then when we think about what baptism is going on. There's actually two baptisms going on in the Jordan with John and Jesus Christ. So let's look at Luke chapter 3 verse 22. It says, And the Holy Ghost descended in a bodily shape like a dove upon him, and a voice came from heaven which said, You are my beloved Son, in you I am well pleased. Now we just read that, but now you see it with new context that it says that the Holy Ghost descended in a bodily shape upon him, right? And so a lot of times we overlook this verse in John regarding John the Baptist as well um, because we are, you know, sort of focused on the theatrics of the moment, you know, oh, Jesus is being baptized. But I think it's really important because John says something very curious uh, in John chapter 1 verse 33. And I want to show you this. A lot of people just kind of overlook it. And I'm going to be honest, I'm one of those people. <laughs> so don't feel bad. This is me too. And I think it's why we understand that John the Baptist was the last and greatest prophet because this man really was making saying prophecies, right? And we're going to note that in John chapter 1 verse 33 because it literally says, John says, um, because it literally says that John heard from God and that God told him something. And I think this we overlook. And if you're a prophet um, or someone blessed with uh, the gift of prophecy, then you will definitely want to read John chapter 1 verse 33. And we're going to do that right now. And I knew him not, but he that sent me to baptize with water, the same said unto me, Upon whom you shall see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, the same is he which baptizes with the Holy Ghost. That's John chapter 1 verse 33. I think this is really kind of like, wow. Let's read it one more time. Um, it says, And I knew him not, I didn't know him. But he that sent me to baptize with water, the same said unto me, Upon whom you shall see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, the same is he which baptizes with the Holy Ghost. And as you guys know, we see John the Baptist here is revealing something that he's heard from God. This is not something that we've read elsewhere in the scriptures um, about a prophecy. This is literally a prophecy that John is saying. This is what God told me, and we're reading it straight from his mouth. And so he's revealing what he has heard from God, that the God of heaven and earth, who had been silent for decades, remember he was silent for decades, until it was time for, you know, John the Baptist and Mary to, you know, um, become pregnant. But after that time, there was pretty much radio silence. And here we have John the Baptist saying, God told me this. And so he told John the Baptist how he could identify the one who came to baptize with the Holy Spirit, right? John says God told him he would know the Messiah because he would see the Holy Spirit descend on him and there remain. 
this would be the one who would baptize with the Holy Spirit. So now we see that Jesus Christ is the one that baptizes with the Holy Spirit. So in this manner, when we see John and Jesus in the Jordan, well, that was kind of three J's in a row, but in this way, when we are seeing John and Jesus in the Jordan River, not only do we see the last Levitical priest meet with the first royal priest in that priesthood after the order of Melchizedek, but we also see that it means to, what it means to be born again. This which Nicodemus was like, what are you talking about? Jesus Christ, as part of the Trinity, has always dwelt with the Holy Spirit. But here in his earthly body, when the Holy Spirit returns to descend upon him, the Spirit remains because Jesus Christ has no sin, right? He sent his word. He didn't send, you know, the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit had to descend on him after he was baptized because, as you know, John the Baptist was in charge of this ministry of the baptism of repentance, which means that when one changes one's minds and ways, you can, you're then open and ready to receive Christ's righteousness. And so when we repent and by faith accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, we receive the free gift of righteousness, allowing the Holy Spirit to stay. Remember, the Spirit is righteous and part of the Godhead, so he cannot rest and he cannot stay where there is sin. And so having Christ's sacrifice enables us to keep the Holy Spirit upon us by faith in him. And it's why if you believe the Son, you have the Father, and by extension the Spirit, because if you have the Son, then the Son is going to baptize you in the Holy Spirit, right? So John distinctly says that Jesus baptizes with the Holy Ghost. So when you get Jesus, he baptizes you with the Holy Spirit. And yet, and yet, we never are shown a depiction of Jesus baptizing anyone with the Holy Spirit, right? Think about this now. So I want you to understand this is not something that is physical and carnal and something that you can point out with a finger, like something we would see John the Baptist do with the baptism of repentance. Because this happens when one accepts the Son. But when one accepts the Son, he is born again. And why born again? Why not live again or renewed or something like that? Well, we see this in Genesis. What Nicodemus, and if I may say, many of us, if we are honest, don't really understand. And I'm going to point this out in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. Look at what it says. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living soul. That's Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. So here we see a different, more graphic depiction of the creation of man. We have God blowing breath into a man of clay. Can you think of the story of Pinocchio where the wooden puppet becomes a real little boy? This is something like that. And in this moment, we see man being born the first time. It is the first time the breath of God, who is the father of spirits, wakes up his first man. Think about this. This is the day that Adam is born. Let me remind you that in Hebrews, the word for the Holy, um, that in the Hebrew language, the word for the Holy Spirit is actually Ruach, okay? Ruach. 
and it means breath or wind. So the holy breath or the holy wind. Think about it like that. So God's the father of Ruachs. He's the father of Ruachs, the father of breaths, the father of winds, blew living wind into the belly of a clay man. And in an instant, Adam opened his eyes and knew that he existed. Adam was breathing God's breath. And we can prove that is what Jesus Christ was alluding to when he was talking to Nicodemus as well. And I'll prove it in scripture because of what he said next in John chapter 3, verse 7 to 10. Let's read it. Marvel not that I said unto you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it lists, and you hear it, but cannot tell where it comes and where it goes. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said unto him, How can these things be? And Jesus answered and said unto him, Are you a master of Israel and know not these things? That's John chapter 3, verse 7 and 10. I want you to notice how Jesus goes from talking about being born again to talking about wind, ruach, breath. In the past, I have read this verse just like Nicodemus. I did not understand why Jesus started talking about believers and how they were like wind. Particularly when um, the man was asking him, how a man could be born again like you just don't change the subject like that <laughs> at least in I think rational conversations we're having a, a conversation about being born again and now you're talking about this wind you're talking about it just doesn't make sense unless you know the context and it always seems that Jesus at least in my opinion was kind of being flip with Nicodemus and that he wasn't being serious about giving him a definitive answer and so, in fact, for even longer periods than that, I had to admit, I thought that this verse said God was like the wind, right? The Spirit of God was like the wind. But upon further inspection, I realized that Jesus said, everyone that is born of the Spirit is like wind. And so we're starting to understand something about the Father of Spirits, the Father of Ruachs, the Father of Breath. And so, just like Nicodemus, I would abscond away from this text in utter confusion, okay? Not actually wanting to admit that I too really didn't quite understand what Jesus was talking about either. But Jesus was talking about Ruach. He was talking about wind. He was talking about holy breath. This was the spirit that gave us life by connecting us to the Father. Could this be why God asked Adam, Adam, where are you? After the fall? Because the God who could not look on sin, who made a ruach in his image, could no longer see him and breathe in him. It was because Adam, Adam was dead. I'm not talking about the clay Adam. I'm talking about the ruach Adam, the breath Adam, the spirit Adam. There was no holy breath in him that connected him to his father. So when we look at Jesus' response to Nicodemus, we realize Jesus was not being dismissive. He was actually giving the man a deeper understanding of God and the work of salvation than perhaps he had even given his own disciples. He did not speak in parables either. He was very plain with this man. I 
want you to recall that he initially said to Nicodemus in John chapter 3 something very interesting. Um, We're going to read 6 and 7, verses 6 and 7. It says, That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto you, you must be born again. That's John chapter 3, verse 6 and 7. He's talking about a spiritual birth. How was Adam birthed in the beginning? Ask yourself that. Think about that. Hmm. How, how was he birthed in the beginning? Remember we read in Genesis chapter 2 and 7 that God blew the Ruach into his clay body. In this verse, the word is nefesh, which is similar to breath or wind to mean soul or spirit. And think about this now. It rested there. And now with the Holy Spirit, the breath of life rests like flames of fire on the disciples at Pentecost as well. They are born again of the Spirit, the Ruach, the breath, the wind of God, and through baptism of water. So we see they are baptized not only by water, but also the Spirit. Once again, the Spirit is hovering over us again. Remember, the Spirit is hovering over the water as it was in the beginning in Genesis. Do you remember what it says in Genesis chapter 1 verse 2? I'm going to read it. It says, And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. That's Genesis chapter 2 verse 2. Sorry about that, guys. That's Genesis chapter 1 verse 2. Um, So I want you to notice that it says the Spirit of God hovered over the waters. We see more evidence in Scripture of the importance of the Spirit, of water, and blood as witnesses in the earth. Do you know why these are witnesses? Because these are alive, and it says so in the Bible. That is why you have to understand the scripture and how it connects together. A lot of times we see things and we think they don't make sense because we don't really understand that there are principles that are from heaven that are being um, sort of lived out here on earth. The Bible says that there is life in the blood in Leviticus chapter 17 verse 11. And Jesus speaks about living waters in Revelations Uh, chapter 22 and 1. I'm sorry, it's John. (laughs) Jesus speaks about living waters as well. He tells the woman, I'll give you a water that you will never thirst again. And there's actually 93 verses about living water in the Bible. And the Spirit of God, of course, as you know, is life. And we know that by what what Jesus said in John chapter 6, verse 63. He said, my words are spirit and what else? That's right, life. And so we begin to understand what God is talking about, what Jesus Christ is alluding to. We are born again when the Spirit, the Ruach of God, descends and reconnects us to the Father of Spirits, the Father of every breath you take. And then we begin to understand why He's our Father too. Now we begin to understand why the scriptures say, You are gods, but you shall die like men. We are breath. We are wind. You can hear wind, but you can't see it. You can hear
are God, but you can't see him. We are like our Father. Our bodies make us believe we're temporal, of course, unfortunately, but we are breath. And so I want to encourage you to understand that this isn't a a conversation about reincarnation. Reincarnation means to be born again in another body, right? We see that word carne, which is flesh, or where we get these words carnal and carnivore. So the life of the body is the spirit. But what is the life of the spirit? The life of the spirit is the Holy Spirit. And so for us, as believers, we are inspired. Inspired. We breathe again when we are born again. I want to thank you and understand your new place in Christ as sons of the Father of Breath, the Father of Ruach. God bless you. Bye. Thank you.